Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. You have to sort of get become the designer of your life. And that's why you have to, you know, if you design your life around sleeping and you design your life around eating, you know, the easy part about that is, is the rest of the world does. And, and the one thing that you need to, you know, the one additional thing you should design your life around, in my opinion, for your own long-term health and mental health is, is, is physical activity. So you have to, exactly. I and mean, if you don't have time for an hour, then maybe you'll have time for, you know, you just look at your day and you look at your week and you look at your month and you say, well, like, you know, how am I going to integrate, you know, being moving? Um, as a just moving as a daily part of my my how I design my life. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. Welcome to another episode of Life After Divorce. With me today is a new friend of mine, Lauren Heffron. Welcome, Lauren. Hi there. Hi. So we're talking today about physical activity and how it recalibrates us mentally, physically, and spiritually. And going through divorce or coming out the other side of it, there are so many pressures and there's so many things to attend to. So we're in this series in, in our Life After Divorce episode to really invite and encourage you to pay close attention both to your nutrition and to your physical activity. And today we're focusing on physical activity and what movement does for us. Uh, and Lauren, of course, you've been physically active and passionate about it most of your life. That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's really defined in many ways defined me as a person. So yes, I have. And it's um, something I just have made a, made a decision very early in my life that that was the way I was going to operate. Like there would never be a time in my life when I, I wouldn't be active. And the out, my love of the outdoors also helps and nature really helps because I crave that too. So. And in fact, I interviewed uh, Dr. Jill uh, Bolte, 
Taylor, and you'll be hearing from her in a couple of weeks. And she talks about how essential it is and how being in nature and being active actually sparks one of the most um, lovely sections of our brain. So stay tuned and listen for that. So Lauren, let's just talk a little bit about uh, your experience with movement and physical activity and the benefits that you've received from it. Let's just start there. Sure. Like I said, I've been doing, I've been this way my whole life, you know, and I, um, I was one of those kids that got pretty early, labeled pretty early on as hyperactive. Um, and I guess in the, in the diagnostic world, I might be, uh, I might be diagnosed with ADHD, for example, but my mother, thank God, bless her soul. She's, you know, always was in my defense and just says, my daughter has a lot of energy and, um, it always was, were very, both my parents are very happy for me to be outside. And they, they knew that that was an important place for me to be. So that really helped that I got parental support. Um, I had a lot of energy and I, and, and people remember me that way. So, um, and I'm, I feel very fortunate that I, I discovered this at a, at a very young age that it never became something that I felt badly about. So there was never any, you know, I never did it as a result of any guilt. Right. So it helped that my, my foundation for activity was always very positive. And, um, you know, I was very active as a young person and I just continued it. So it just, I've literally have been, I'll usually spend at least a couple of hours outdoors every day. And if I can't, I mean, it's not every day and I don't make it into a, a religion. So I make it into something that has to be pleasurable. So I, I always frame it for myself as something that I don't have to do that I want to do. And, it, and that's, that's very important. And so we're speaking today to a lot of listeners who probably haven't had that background, right? And I know even for myself, I was raised an athlete. I was a swimmer. I was on a softball team. I fell in love with biking at one point. And yet at a certain point in my adult life, a lot of my activity fell off. Yes. And, and so what I'd really like to do is spend some time speaking to our listeners about all of the benefits of being physically active. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And I'm just going to just touch upon everybody that has given that up somewhere in their childhood. And I, and I ask people to go back to that, that, that even as a cyclist, to go back to that time in their life when that was special and joyful and, and to ask themselves, then where did that go? Cause it's there. It's whether it's deeply asleep um, or it has been non-existent for a long, long time. You, you at one point were a child and you loved to move. And that, that is a desire as a human being is still there. It's just that our culture and our lifestyles and our stress and our responsibilities, um, naturally don't feel bad about it. It happens to a lot of people. I agree. So, um, the benefits are that the number one is that it does being outside and being active does awaken um, something very, very innocent and lovely about, you, you know what I mean? So I, I frame it that way all the time, rather than even framing it as a sport or even framing it as exercise. When I talk to people and internally, I think about it as my daily recess, just like a, as a kid, you know, you ran out into the playground and, and you started running around. I mean, uh, I, I think that's important to, to try to discover that, to frame it that way, not as something that you have to measure how far you go or how fast you go, or how many weights you lift, but how many endorphins you are feeling and how much it makes you happy. And that's the, what I think people need to start measuring. And, you know, I agree with you. And I think that if you're listening right now and you're thinking, I, I'm exhausted, I don't have any energy to expend. One of the most amazing things is when you start moving, you generate energy. And so sometimes 
I, and I, I want to share something that that recently happened to me. So I've been having a hard time getting back into a routine of being active. And I had um, and I someone had left a note on my whiteboard on my refrigerator, which said motivation does not precede action. It follows it. And so they had they had stayed at my house for a couple of days and I thought, I'm not wiping that off. Like that just hit me. And I thought, I have this inspiration to move, but I don't have motivation to move. And right. so what, what I did was I found a friend, we agreed to be accountability partners. And I said, I'm not motivated to go out and ride my bike. And so I, what I need to do is I need to go out and ride my bike sure. so that I am then motivated to go out right. and ride my bike. And right. bam, it worked immediately. And, right. you know, like you're saying, no measurement, no stress, no have to, um, no, no shooting on myself, just, just do it. And we, uh, we now go out every morning and, and we're starting real slow and it's a beautiful little bike path. And there's, you know, I'm down in Florida, so there are tropical trees and flowers. And what happened was that I immediately was motivated every following morning, uh, because of the first day where by the time I got home, I felt so good, number one, that I accomplished it. And number two, that I was just starting to feel my muscles a little bit. Right. Well, it's biofeedback, right? So I tell people it's as simple as biofeedback, right? I had this, I had a, you know, usually every single day I'm ready to go for bike ride. But yesterday, well, I was tired and I literally lied down on my bed, which is really, I, I work out of my home. So I, took, I went to the bedroom and I just lied down. I said, which is very unusual for me because I never usually lack energy. But then I said, I looked out the window, the sun kind of peeked through the clouds and I so, nope, I'm going to go outside and go for a bike ride. And indeed, I went for a ride, started slow, and I felt more energized. And I came home and uh, that break, that, uh, you know, moving your body, um, it's a biofeedback thing. So I have the memory, the biofeedback memory to know that that's a truth. Right. So I don't, it doesn't take much for me to like say, nope, I'm going to go for a bike right. ride. Right. Right. But, it, but you're, a, just, yeah, you're a lifetime, just, yeah. you're a lifetime right. active person. And, and so, so, for, for those people, it's like, yeah, of course. But for many, many of us, uh, that's just, it's just missing. And then every day it's like, why am I not motivated? I have the thought and I'm not motivated. And so if that's you, if you're listening and you've had the thought to move and you're not motivated, um, you start with baby steps. And you if, get the you, biofeedback going. if right. you act first, you will find that you're motivated. And in my personal opinion, if you can find an accountability partner, a girlfriend, a guy friend, whatever the situation is, um, that that helps too. That helps a lot too. And, so I think you, and I think you touch upon, you know, first of all, if that's how you're feeling, you have to sort of figure out what the obstacles are, right? So, what I, and honestly, a lot of people, the real simple obstacle that people have is that they have a job, you know, and they have a job that says, like, you have to work from this job from this hour. And so that sort of forces you to have to exercise only when you're not working. And I have the luxury of having my own business, so I can go and I do go whenever I get the urge. I'm kind of like, you know, take, you know, I, I tell it's a reason I can take myself for a walk. You know, people take dogs for a walk. But like I'm going to go take myself for a walk because I can feel my energy. Absolutely. You know, going out of control. My I'm getting less focused. So I literally follow my own, uh, own body needs to when that's important and the light and everything else that goes on the day. But I do feel very much for people 
who have jobs, uh, in which case that doesn't mean you don't do it. But the first thing is to say, what's the obstacle? In addition to my motivation, is there another obstacle getting in the way of me getting outside? Is it where I live? Is it my job? Is it? And then you have to kind of say, well, how do I how do I fit this into the flow of my day? Absolutely. I have a client who is a single mom in an area that is fairly cold and wet this time of year. And uh, and she's got three kids and she's got at least sole custody for now. And so we were just chatting on the phone the other day. What do I do and how do we find time? And and this is another piece of it is, you know, if if you can find time on a Saturday, but you're only doing it once a week, it's not going to have the same impact as if you can be more regular. And so for me, I used to be like, if I can't go for a 20 mile bike ride and put that time in, then I don't do anything. And the truth is, if you can get out for 15 minutes and you can walk around the neighborhood, uh, that's going to be beautiful. If you have a garden and you're outside and you're gardening and you're moving your body. And so what I invite you, the listener to do, and especially those of you who feel like you're overwhelmed. I remember being a single mom with young kids and running my own business and like not having a hot second to myself. Uh, how much of a priority do I want it to be? Where can I put it? And, and, and little snippets of time, 15 minutes is great to start with whatever you can start with. And again, back to the motivation, when it starts feeling better, um, you, you find a way to stretch it. Even if you're taking the kids for a walk with you, you find a way to stretch it. I actually remember, uh, taking my daughter to a soccer field once and here I'm sitting on the bleachers and all of a sudden I see moms just walking the track. And I was like, I could be, I don't need to be sitting on the bleacher while my daughter is practicing. I can be walking the track. That could be my activity time. Absolutely. So, and so when we get creative about it and when it's important to us, it really right. does. Come well, it's designing around. your life. I mean, you have to sort of get, become the designer of your life. And that's why you have to, you know, if you design your life around sleeping and you design your life around eating, you know, the easy part about that is, as the rest of the world does. And, and the one thing that you need to, you know, the one additional thing you should design your life around, in my opinion, for your own long-term health and mental health is, is, is physical activity. So you have to, exactly. I and mean, if you don't have time for an hour, then maybe you'll have time for, you know, you just look at your day and you look at your week and you look at your month and you say, well, like, you know, how am I going to integrate, you know, being moving um, as a, just moving as a daily part of my, my, how I design my life. You know, maybe you, you know, sometimes I used to just, uh, you know, if I had a meeting, I would, uh, and I would, I would give myself extra time and I would ride my bicycle to the meeting or I would walk to the meeting, or you could, you know, you could always park an hour away or half an hour away or 15 minutes away from wherever you're going. Um, you know, you can, if you drive your car, you can, you could just make sure you, you have a walk integrated into whatever, whatever errand that you're doing. So you can, it's, it's very possible. It, you know, it's not easy and you give yourself some credit that it's, it takes some, it does take some, some designing. Let's just put well, that. And even on a really simplistic level, uh, if you go to the supermarket once a week, don't park so close to the front door, park all the way at the of end course. of the parking lot. Right. Well, you're saying, of course, yeah. 
but that's not what our listeners are saying. Right. So it's like, so you, you park at the end of the parking lot and you, you're, you're going to walk through the supermarket. In fact, it'd be interesting to see how many steps you're doing, walking through the supermarket, walking exactly. back and forth. And now you're moving a little bit. I had a friend who went from really being fairly inert to, uh, she took up hula hooping. Oh my God. She lost 50 pounds. That wasn't her goal. And she would put on, you know, seventies rock and roll music and she would hula hoop. And she just, that was her thing. And she, and this is a woman who was like never terribly active in her life. And she just found the thing dancing, maybe your thing, whatever your thing is, um, you know, you don't need to go outside. If it's, if you're saying, well, there's three feet of snow and blah, 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 great. Like throw on whatever music you love and, and you can dance. And so there's so many different ways. And so I want to go back to the benefits for a minute. Um, Obviously, it's good for your body. Uh, it's it's a recess, or as you said, uh, Lauren, an escape from the you know all of the other parts of your day, and and you always feel better afterwards. Um, what are some of the other ones that we have? Um, you know, it could be that I'm working. You know, I, I guess I work for myself, so it could be that I'm working on something, and I'm just starting to get kind of. You know, um, I can feel the energy going a little bit, getting distracted or whatever. I was like, you know what? I I think if I go out and I tell my son who's a writer, uh, I'm a creative person. So often I did this a lot when I was a kid, you know, that I was sort of at a point of a creative project or a point of a writing, a writing assignment at school that it was just not moving along. So I go out for, I, you know, so for me, it was it helps focus. So, for example, if I'm getting distracted or if I'm losing focus, um, it allows me to let that my body. So, okay, you're not, you're distracted now. Go let your distraction flow. So, and then you, I go for a bike ride, enjoy myself. I listen to music, I have fun. And then I come back, I'm like, boom, you know, I am just, I'm back to my hyper-focused mode. I have a fresh mind. I've actually even sometimes thought about the, that, that paragraph or that email, for example. Well, I don't, I really try not to you know, send that email right away. If it's an important email, I said, you know, I better go do a bike ride because I need to like think this one through, yep. calm my nerves down. Yeah. Because if I, if I, if so, so in terms of it's like focuses your energy, you know, and I'm a real big believer. I think that all of us are different, right? So I'm a beagle, you're a basset hound, like not you, but I mean, people are different. <laughs> they have different energy makeups, right? And I think you have to be, you have to be really tuned into like, how am I going to manage my energy? So I think exercise, um, it, you, it forces you to do that because it, it it shows you how fast you can do things or how slow you want to do things. So your movement, the way you move can often be a mirror and you're just the way you are, right? Absolutely. But it's a different mirror, right? So my mirror is very kind of frenetic. I get out and I I go far and I go fast or yep. I, go long, I have a lot of endurance. So my I have a huge amount of endurance. So even, even if I have a work day, I could usually work harder and longer than most people, but my exercise can often balance that out and helps, it helps me manage the kind of energy that I have better. I think that's a great point um, that we all have different kinds of energy. And, uh, and so I just want to summarize this part, just the benefits of it. So it enables you also to focus on your body rather than your mind chatter. And while everyone in the world has mind chatter, I think we know that as we're navigating divorce and 
the co-parenting after divorce and the, the new life, there's a lot of in your head that doesn't serve you. And so it enables you to refocus on your body. Um, it enhances better energy, as we talked about in energy management. It maintains um, mental health um, really well. Um, it provides that recess or that, that, that escape. Um, and so, and the other thing I had read this a number of years ago, I was working on one of our programs and I read this thing about how, if you go out and you walk in nature, um, between the trees and, and nature and the movement of your body, uh, and this is what you were just talking about. You will, you will fire creative um, oh. synapses that you you that while sitting at your desk, you're like you're stale, you're going no place. Right. And so a lot of times when we want to create something and I'll chat with Lisa or one of the other coaches about it, if I can get out and move my body and especially I particularly like to hike in nature, if I could get amongst the trees, uh, I always come back and find that um, I have new ideas, new perspectives, new creativity, new energy. And so, yeah. so that's the pitch, everyone, on the benefits of moving. So whether you have hours to move in your day or minutes to move in your day, right. and the more consistent, the better. And I'm going to say again, the motivation will come after you act, not before. So that was a really powerful message for me. And if you think about also that you're, you're so really what you're doing by not moving, you actually are suppressing something because you're, you, you know, your, your body and humans are meant to move. So if you think about it, even that you're actually really by not moving, you are, even though you're not motivated to do it, you actually are suppressing something very human in you. A need. Yes. A human need. Every divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. So I want to shift a little bit to your story, Lauren. So I know that you've like, like you said, you've, you've been, you've been a frenetic mover all of your life. Um, 
and uh, and you're you have something in common with the rest of our audience. And so can you just tell a little bit of your story of sure. uh, what led you to be running an international cycling um, uh, uh, events or adventure company? I'm sorry if I'm describing no, that. No, by correctly. Company, sure. Yeah. So, well, I mean, company. as I mentioned, I um, at a young age, I was an active person and I had a, funny enough, I had a niece. I had knee surgery at a young age. And I realized that I was going to have to figure out something else other than all of these um, sports that were probably going to do more damage to my knees, skiing and tennis and field hockey and all the things that I did. And I, and I did like bicycling. And there were some other qualities about me as a person um, that this tapped into, which was curiosity. I probably, you know, if I lived 300 years ago, I probably would have been a cowgirl because I have a very, you know, I have a wanderlust that I have a lot of curiosity. So I, yeah, I really discovered that this bicycling and I, I was one of the first and only in my neighborhood at the time, you know, it tapped into who I was as a person, not just my physical needs. So it tapped into my curiosity and the linear, the linear motion of cycling kind of um, was a good, you know, again, a mental, I think it was doing something for me mentally, putting me on focus, you know, again, again, had I had I had different parents and a different upbringing and, and was brought up now, I probably would have put on been put on medication. So so basically then anyway, I started to cycle and um, then I started to do things around cycling. And little by little, I was realizing um, that this that this is what I'd like to do as my my contribution to the world was going to be this passion. So I started teaching cycling and writing articles about cycling. And I realized, oh, I'm the cyclist lady. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is my identity. Wow. And, you know, it was sort of second nature wherever I lived. It had to be a beautiful place to buy a school. So I went to Cornell. It was great cycling up there. And I went to Italy. And of course, it was cycling is like baseball. It's a very huge sport there. So cycling really, you know, basically became not only my, my identity, but it became very quickly my lifestyle. So I really began to make decisions around that. And then when it, after going to college, I studied anthropology, um, you know, it became natural that cycling was almost an access to a lot of culture. So I really started just putting together lots of interests, you know, through cycling. And um, when it, when I started getting some work, you know, I started looking for jobs. I started getting jobs as tour, a tour guide. And I was pretty, pretty quick to say, I can do this myself. And I started, you know, creating trips. So I get my creative side and my, you know, I, I'm a good tour guide and I'm very personable. So all of everything will fit together very well. And that was, so I just started the company with two trips, 1989 and um, had pretty quick success rate. And it's a, and I also predicted, and I also knew that people were going to love this. I mean, you don't go on a bicycle trip usually. You don't get a lot of people saying, I'll never go on a bike trip again. Once people have a kind of outdoor travel experience, um, if they're that kind of person that would like that, um, they they do these kind of experiences for the rest of their life. And that's what happened. The people took a bike trip, then they take another one or they take a walking trip and they realize this is the way that I like active travel versus sedentary travel, sitting on a beach or sitting on a, you know, in a boat or so forth. So I, I knew, I, I knew that that was, I mean, I could have a vision about that. And, and in fact, um, you know, I was the first one in 32 years ago, but um, now there's many, many companies that do bicycle tours and it's really becoming people are, they, they come on a trip and they're transformed and whether it's at 40 or 50 or 60, you know, they go on this kind of experience and they, their lives are really transformed. A lot of times they, they have the kind of uh, benefit of doing this on a daily basis and realizing I'm, I'm going to integrate this into my life. So it has a transformative. So, so yeah. slow, slow this down a little bit too, because I want to No, that's okay. I just want to, so I know that 
I know people who have done bike tours and, you know, the first thought of course is I couldn't do that. I'm, I'm not physically fit enough. Right. I don't have the endurance for that. And my sister and her wife had gone on an Italian bike tour a number of years ago. And I was like, so help me to understand once you stopped and you ate and you drank wine, how did you, how did you then get back on the bike and keep riding? And they were talking about how there was a van and if they got tired. And so can you just, exactly. can you just give our audience sure. just a brief little glimpse into you do not have to be a hundred mile a day Absolutely. riding because I right. think that that's what stops people from even right. trying. Cause as you're describing it, it sounds so delightful. Right. Right. Well, and again, we, I usually, when I talk to somebody on the phone, which is, I do, I loved, I love the beginner. I am a beginner mind, beginner, athlete kind of person. And so I, I enjoy talking to people that are just getting into it. So I do ask people, well, I mean, do you like to be active? Yes. How active are you? And they tell me, and then, you know, then it's a matchmaking process because there are trips that are really easy, super easy. And there are trips that are more advanced, right? So the, probably if someone is new to this, that they're most likely going to be what I call them an athletic beginner, which is someone that's maybe athletic, maybe they do things or active, and they just start out small. So, you know, a lot of our trips are like 18 to 20, our beginner trips are like 25 miles. I'm not a big fan of stopping and drinking it at lunch. Uh, we do have a nice lunch. I do think it's probably better off. You just kind of wait to the end of the day. Because, and then you enjoy that beautiful right, Italian right. red so, wine. <laughs> and our trips are not about like, I think people, when they think about a bike trip, they think just like you would, in, you know, if you went out and worked out, right, you would go, you do your two hours hardcore. And I said, no, 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 no. Let's just start this all over again. Remember, this is a journey. You start out in one place. You're going to take all day to get into the other, you know, 20 miles, like, you know, and you're going to bicycle at your own pace. It's absolutely at your pace. So I think that, again, we get Americans particularly get stuck into this. I'm going to go as fast as I can, as hard as I can. And everybody else's. Well, that's, that's an American think what mindset, right? The mindset of a traveler is, I'm going to go from one place to another at my pace. And, you know, I want to just just jump in here because even I just moved down to Florida and the difference in riding my bike around and seeing this new area that I live in versus driving is completely different. And so, you know, even 20 miles could sound very intimidating to a new person, but if you're, if you're bike riding a couple of miles and you're stopping and you're taking pictures and you're looking into that, what I want, what I would love for you to do is, can you describe like, um, just describe a day. What is a day in like the medium bike tour? Like what's the pace of it? Just give a picture to our listeners of what, what that looks like. Sure. So we, you know, we start out again, safety is number one. So let's just frame this right away. We all want people to be safe. So we start out each day together and we describe the route and we go over the route carefully. And we talk about any hills there might be and where there's places to take photograph and where there's, so we, I, I do a snapshot mm-hmm. for my cyclists of what the day is going to be. I make it encouraging and, and exciting and wonderful. And, you know, it's all about like the presentation. Um, so that's a very important part of the day. So people like they can ask questions about the Hills. Mm-hmm. They can ask questions. So it's really sort of like what you're going to do. So that's the beginning of the day. I mean, the, the in the morning after breakfast, right? So get up, no super early mornings, just starting at eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock, 
Uh, people put all their stuff in the van that they want to carry extra stuff, you know, not too much, but just enough extra jackets and snacks and so forth. And then we, we say we take off and usually there's one tour guide in the lead and one tour guide in the back of the group. And then there's the van that goes back and forth. Right. So um, and as the leader, I like to tap into, you know, not going out real fast. I mean, my goal is to, you know, make sure people feel welcome and, and included. I'm a very much of an inclusionist. So I want people to feel welcome and included and safe. And so I, and I'm also very conversation. I mean, I chit chat and talk to people so they know that it's not just about putting your head down and, 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 and riding. So we begin our ride and, um, I don't stop a lot because I don't want people to lose momentum, but I might stop all, you know, I have places in my mind that I want to show people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I might stop in front of a, you know, in front of a covered bridge in New Hampshire. And I might say, you know, I might tell them about the covered bridge and how the history of the covered bridge, you know, meanwhile, they're snacking and drinking and resting into, and I, so those stops, we call them, and they're usually every 10 miles, we call them, um, you know, rest stops basically, but that rest stop comes at a time where it gives me an opportunity, um, to talk about that, the, what they're seeing and what they're doing. So, beautiful. so we're going to, we're going to be stopping every 10 miles. Um, but not, not all together. Right. So the, the people a little bit more in the lead are going to stop, but I've discovered that there's not that much that, that separates someone that's a faster paced person and someone that's a slower paced person. It's usually about five minutes or mm-hmm. 10 minutes. So if there's someone, so people often feel intimidated if you have no stops, because over a course of a day, someone that's slower and faster are much more separated. So right, right. these little stops along the way kind of close the group and close the group. So everybody always feels like an accordion. People feel a part of the group. And at those stopping points, you know, the slower people certainly group down, but the faster people begin to appreciate, hey, this is not just about putting my head down and biking. This trip is about learning about, I'll speak about Southern New Hampshire because that's where I, I did a trip there this year. So it's about where, where you know, there's our, our places to stop in Southern New Hampshire, for example. So, so it sounds like a beautiful way to um, vacation and move. Um, and you started this business back in, did you say 1989? And um, so things got pretty upside down during COVID, I would imagine oh, yes. for you. Right. Absolutely. So it was, I mean, when it first started hitting uh, the, sh- the shit hit the fan in, 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 uh, in, in February of 2020, um, you know, for a moment there, I'm like, I'm jumping out the window. Like, I'm like, this is, this is the end of my life. Like this is Because it. your business over the years grew right. rather big. You guys right. were really well known. I did not know that you were one of the first. So that's like kudos to you. And that's fascinating. So I just, I would love to take a few minutes for our audience to understand that um, you like them are in the process of um, the dissolution of your marriage and your business was I mean, so many businesses were slammed, but Italy, touring, you know, like that, that everything came to a screeching halt for you. And, and even still now, right. Things are just beginning to open up in terms of travel. So that's, that's like such a double whammy where you, where you're dealing with the, you know, the emotional turmoil of divorce and the business, um, and, you know, I know we've already talked about this, but what role did your 
staying active during this incredibly emotional, chaotic, uncertain time? What what impact did having that practice have on you, Lauren? Huge, huge. I mean, I, I can speak and I'm, you know, I have been had a very blessed life. You know, I'd say, you know, um, up, up until just a few years ago when to start, you know, my, my mother passing, I mean, I had never experienced loss. Everything was great. You know, I did well in school. Everything was going great. And then, you know, I really, my later years, I actually started experiencing some pretty big things, you know? So the first time I discovered, cause I always bicycle for fun and I went bicycle, but then when my mother passed, you know, I real, I, I literally said, I, I, I used bicycling as a way to cope with losing this, you know, the biggest person in my life mm-hmm. in, the, in the first loss ever. So that was in 2004. So I had a taste of that. And so when this, um, and then 2011, but that was a little bit different and that was another big one, but then this one was, um, well, I'd say, you know, going, having, going through a divorce or even getting up to that. Oftentimes I would have to go out of the house just to relax because mm-hmm. I was because of the stress. And I remember coming home one day and saying, going for a long bike ride and said, that's, it like the bike ride itself drew the line in the sand because I felt so good in the bike ride and then I come back. And home then the contrast of coming home. To- and so that was a drawing a line in the sand. And then for, so, I mean, I learned that no matter what I was going to do this. So, in, but however, in this situation, um, I started something I call the practice was even more of a dramatic practice of what I already did, which is on weekends, I called them serenity cycles, serenity rides. So I'm, because the week was so much, calls and dealing with customers and my own freaking out. And, and I was still bicycling during the week, but on the weekends, I, I literally call them and I wrote my Facebook page. I call them my serenity bike ride. And I would leave in the morning and not because nothing was open. So normally I'd go for a bike ride and come on the afternoon and do something, whether it's active in, in the Boston area, but there's nothing going on. So I said, I'm not just going to go home and worry. I'm, I'm going to stay outside all day long. So I would leave at nine o'clock, kind of like a long horseback ride <laughs> out to the West. I bet it gets like, I just would ride. And I would just go off on one level. I mean, and not hurrying. I would, my curiosity would take me to a stream or my curiosity would take me up a hill. And I just kept a lot. And I, I would ride to Boston. I just would ride all day. And I usually track on about 80 or 90 miles. I was just going to ask, like, by wow. the end of the day, but you know, I came home and I felt like, you know, if, and for those of you who have dogs and you've run them to death, I mean, they just lie on the floor <laughs> and sleep, you know, and that was kind of my mental and physical, my, my, my mental and physical kind of came to one, which was like, my body was tired and my mind was tired. And I did that. Then I, but I also had a lot of endurance, so it didn't, I could do it. And I wasn't going fast. I was really, cause people would say, wow, you're going hundred miles. I'm like, look, don't, don't be too impressed. I'm just, I can do it. Cause I have a lot of endurance. So then I did it on Sundays and I did that all summer and I just, and then I was also starting to explore develop. And I said, this turned into me, well, what if I develop domestic trips? Well, that's an idea. Well, that's an idea. So then I started going to New Hampshire on the weekends and discovering my new trips in New Hampshire. So again, cycling kind of turned into a, a creative. Yeah, that's great. So, and then on Mondays I was kind of, re- I mean, even though money's I always loved Mondays, but Mondays really started to suck during the pandemic because it was uh, it was Mondays would be when the customers would call and would want their money back. We would want to know what's going on or would want certainty or and I couldn't give it to them. And I was never used to not being able to solve people's problems, you know, in my bit as a as a business, as a problem solver. So at least this at least I was relaxed enough on Monday mornings to kind of start all over again. 
So yeah, before we wrap up, um, yeah, we've spoken to you, the listener, about uh, physical activity in general. Lauren's uh, wheelhouse is um, bike riding. Uh, I, I enjoy hiking, kayaking, bike riding, gardening, um, do not have her level of endurance by any means. So whatever it is for you, um, uh, I hope that you've been inspired. What I would love, Lauren, is if you could speak to the people who are particularly curious about the bike and maybe starting to bike ride. I know you have some tips for um, for starting. And uh, so let's let's do that. And then you can tell people how uh, they can reach you and a little bit about your company before we wrap. Sure. Well, yeah, if you're starting out, um, first of all, great because it, I think it's a lifetime sport. And if you like it and you, and you start, I, I really trust that you will do it for the rest of your life, because I believe if you do it the right way, um, safely and, you know, within your limitations or time, I think you'll do it your whole life. So good news is that this is something that will make your life better for a long, long time. And, um, and you can cycle well into however long you're, you know, in fact, it actually improves your balance, even though you might think it doesn't. It's been proven that cycling actually improves your balance. And as you know, or those of us who are older, we start knowing or we start hearing that your balance is something that gets impacted. So honestly, it improves so many things, including your balance. So that's a good one. So congratulations. I would um, start by um, getting your bike checked out by a bike shop to make sure that everything's working fine. You get a brand new bicycle. Uh, make sure that you get you have gears that are large that are just say you you're, tell the bike shop person that um, you're starting out and you want to be able to ride comfortably, you know, so make sure that they know that they don't sell you some kind of fancy bicycle that's maybe above your level or, you know, so that's important. So get, get a match, get a good, get a good match with the bicycle. And if you, you know, you can feel free to call me. I'd be happy to talk to people. So get a good bicycle. Then you have to kind of figure out like, okay, where am I going to ride? If you've already established that, great. But, you know, um, if you live near a bike path, that's a good place to start. Um, I encourage it to be someplace where you don't have to drive. Hopefully that's possible. Um, there are a lot of apps out in there now that actually show you the routes um, that are close to your house. And one of them is called Ride with GPS. And um, you can actually look literally in this app. Wait a second. You said that so fast. I didn't Ride with G Ride GPS. GPS. Ride GPS yeah. is the R name of the app. Yes, yes. So you could basically put in your location, right, and say, I want to have rides start at this location or with, within whatever distance. I want them to be 10 miles. And these are all routes that people like me have developed and put on this app. So and then guess what? You put it into your, you plug them into your ear and it says, go right, go left, go straight. Oh, my God. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's a great app. It's a great app. So you can, so there, that's super because one of the hardest, op, one of the obstacles was, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to go. I want to go safely. And, that, and so I don't want to go so far that I can't make it back. And so I love that you could say, okay, I want to do 10 miles and, and then you're just, you know, we're so used to following GPS anyway, right. right? It's like none of us can find our way around anymore because we just listen to the voice. But but in this case, that's great. So you could listen to your music. The voice pops in. It tells you what exactly. you have to do. Put it in your Love phone. You put it in your back pocket and it just, mm -hmm. it just talks to you. So that's really great because I think that that's an obstacle. So we're moving. So we're trying to remove obstacles. A good yep. bicycle removes a bad bicycle. A route you know, removes that obstacle. And the next one is you know, think about how far you'd like to go. Meaning if you're going to pick that destination, that route, don't pick anything overly ambitious, right? If you, the farthest you've ever gone in your life, your recent life has been 10 miles, well then pick 10 miles. 
and start with no more than 10 miles and give yourself time to do it. Like give yourself an hour. And, and you, you know, I, I know rarely bike less than two hours. It's usually around two. That's my comfort zone of right. what I have time for and what, what helps, what works for me, but pick what works for you. And usually, you know, a half an hour to an hour, I'd say is a good amount of time to dedicate to it. And then, you know, again, start slow. Don't put your head down and, you know, grind it out. Like you're like, don't just measure endorphins, like go out, and as you're riding safely, you know, look around and, and try to pay attention to the trees and the flowers and, and and the road, but don't make it head down, ride hard, ride fast. I really, I discourage, I think you need to make, you need to come back and feel like I had an enjoyable time. I had, I, it was about the joy and it wasn't about like feeling, and the fitness is going to come. You said something uh, earlier to me, maybe offline about bicycling being a meditation. So what you were just describing, it's 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 like this is your opportunity to also um, get out of your head and in, enjoy nature. And not to work. You're not working. You know, this, you're, not, no you're not physically working and you're not mentally working. And so if you're on your bike and you're thinking about your call with your ex or the negotiation with your attorney, you're, you're, you're really um, not getting the full value of it. And so this is really an opportunity that when your body starts moving, that meditation, meditation is all about watching your mind chit chat and then letting it go. And so the more beautiful, the more enjoyable, the easier it is for the mind to become quiet and the rest of the body to take it. It doesn't doesn't happen right away. I mean, absolutely. I get out and I'm thinking about whatever Mm -hmm. just happened the call I just had or whatever. And I, and then exactly then I say, okay, right brain, left brain, you know, my left brain's back into like always, you know, and I'm like, stop, you know, and I, and, and it, you know, but the nice thing about bicycling is it's the fluidity of it itself, a lot, the fluidity of the motion of your legs going around and around almost do the same thing for your mind, your mind start, it'll spin a little bit this way. And then if you just let it and you look over and there's a red barn, well, it, it goes to the red barn and the red barn goes, to, you know, I mean, like it, it fires off for me, it fires off always um, something very visual and something Beautiful. very auditory because I'll usually leave one ear open for a lot of things and, you know, he, listen to the wind. And, and so I, you just have to be aware of it, you know, and, and not to say that that thought's not going to come back in your head. And, and sometimes it's helpful because then you ca- get calmed down about it. So um, I would say, yeah, so start small, start slow, um, start joyful um, and come home and, you know, and don't just rush back right away to what you do. Give yourself 10 minutes to go. Wow. That was great. Right. And then if you, I might do a gratitude journal every day and, and, and getting outside or bicycling is always at the top. So give yourself credit for what you did and be grateful for it and, and be thankful for this health, this gift that you're giving yourself. Beautiful. And, and, and also, and again, if you want, and again, back to your kind of accountability, there are a lot of groups now too. I mean, it, you know, the old days, there wasn't a lot of people bicycling, but bicycling is a super popular sport. It's a super popular activity. You can find groups. There's all kinds of meetup groups and clubs and so forth. And so you can also, in addition to the, the solo aspect of it, absolutely take advantage of the, the social social. Uh, social apps aspect. You'll meet new friends. You'll meet people that, you know, you like to meet and, um, you know, you'll, you'll get outside with people and you'll show, and that's a very important part too. Oh, I love that. Is, yeah. It's a very social activity too. Yeah. And, and really almost any activity you want to do when I was living on Long Island, there were kayaking groups, there were hiking groups, there were biking groups. And so I'm a big, big fan of meetup. And if, uh, if you're, 
an extrovert and you want to do something and you want to be social, there is so many opportunities. So these, 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 these social groups are very, I mean, they're, they're safe and so forth. So it's also a good way for you to learn more about the sport because you're going to be bicycling with people that, you know, are going to be like you. So the meetups are super and they probably have them. I mean, I've never looked, but I'm sure they have them for super beginner levels as well. So that's, I really encourage the social aspect because that'll, that'll keep you accountable. That'll keep you accountable to a group of people and they're going to talk about all their bicycling. So it's very, very, very addictive or more devotional. It becomes devotional versus addictive. So how can our listeners uh, find you if they're interested in learning more? The name of your company is... Chiclismo Classico. Chiclismo Classico. Yeah. So, yeah. So, note to self if you start your own company, make sure that it's pronounceable. I didn't. I was only 25 when I started. So, I went crazy. But uh, yeah, Chiclismo means cycling in Italian, Chiclismo. And then Classico is kind of like uh, the sauce, Classico. And for those of you like me who did take Italian, the chi is C-I, not an H. So why don't you go? It's where, it's in the show notes. You'll see it in the show notes. Um, but why don't we go ahead and spell that out for them, okay. uh, the website? Yes. It's C and then it, like think of chow because chow is like a soft, it's a C-I-A, but it's a soft, soft C. So Chiclismo is C-I-C-L-I-S-M-O-C-L-A-S-S-I-C-O.com. Beautiful. Chiclismo classico.com. And, uh, and is there any other way they can reach you, Lauren? Well, my email, I'd be happy to, I, I would be really, if anybody really would like to, you know, set up a time to talk or, or whatever, I I'm happy to talk to people. Uh, it's Lauren at Chiclismo classico.com. Um, and you can, and then if we need to set up a call or something, we can do that. Beautiful. And you actually have an offer for people who Correct. might be interested And in. what is that offer? Um, $250 off any, any of our bicycling trips for 2022. Yeah. And you just have to mention that you heard, um, Lauren on JBD's journey beyond divorces podcast and, uh, and you have that little discount. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your passion for moving your body and all the benefits to it and the beauty of, um, uh, I love the idea of, active vacations and adventures. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And good luck, everybody. And happy cycling. Yes. Okay. Um, We will see you next time uh, on our Life After Divorce series. Until then, take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.